Hey friends, Dan Schreiner here with the Disciple Henson podcast per usual. Just a little preview for next week. Stephen and Annalisa Riley plan to come to talk about their preparation for their upcoming move and work in the Middle East. So look forward to that. This week we've got PK Fire, aka Paul Kim. I honestly didn't have an agenda other than for you to get to know this intentional brother, former pastoral resident, faithful church member. But we ended up talking about unity and diversity most of the time. So yeah, maybe we'll have to rename this podcast the Unity and Diversity Podcast because we talk about that a good bit. But it's a good one this week. Hope you are helped and encouraged in your own discipleship. PK Fire, welcome to the studio. Thanks for coming on the Disciple Henson Podcast. PK, who are you? My name is Paul Kim, but my initials are PK, so that's how it came about. So what's the fire? Uh, the fire is actually, there is a character in a game called Super Smash Bros, and his character name is Ness, and he would wear his hat backwards. And when I used to dance, and I still dance, um, I would wear my hat backwards and I'd look like Ness, and one of his uh, attack moves is PK Fire. That, that I didn't re- I didn't think we were gonna go that deep. Oh, that's many levels. You, you get many so levels. So what? Yeah. What a uh, game console are we talking? Uh, we're talking uh, Nintendo sixty four. Okay. However, you know the Switch community, you guys would know uh, the newest uh, Super Smash Bros. game. Okay. Okay. Um, I had some follow up questions to that, but I'm just still getting my mind around that. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned that you danced. Uh, we're gonna talk about that in a minute. But tell us a little bit, uh, where do you come from, PK? Yeah, I was actually born in Korea, in a city south of Seoul called Anyang. Uh, And then I moved to the Midwest, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, because my dad was uh, studying chemistry. So I was there for about three, four years. And then uh, I pretty much grew up in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. So San Jose, Cupertino, uh, that's where I grew up. And then, um, yeah. How many years did you live in Korea as a child? Uh, Probably one or two years. Okay, yeah, I was, so no I don't memories. Remember. Zero yeah. memories. I don't remember Kansas City, Missouri either. I have pictures of it, but uh-huh. I have zero recollection. So Bay Area's home. That's where your mom lives. You have a sibling there. Um, so oh, or, not anymore, that's actually. Right, that's right. So uh, I went down to Southern California for nursing school at Biola University, uh, graduated and worked out there for a bit. And my brother moved down there after UCLA. And then my mom... Uh, Moved down Went in down 2018, south too. yeah. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit, your story. How did you come to know the Lord in particular? Yeah, so um, I pretty much, uh, I'll start with my parents. So my dad comes from a nominal Buddhist background. My mom comes from a nominal Methodist, Methodist background. They come out to the States um, and they start going to church more for cultural reasons, um, just the immigrant experience. And then in California, um, Basically, my mom and my dad pretty much get converted in California. And so we start going to a Korean Baptist church. Um, so I'm there. How I, old were you, do you think, when they came to faith? Uh, it was probably in California. So this must have been when I was about like six or seven. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I grew up in the Korean Baptist church, but I wasn't a believer at the time. My dad dies from liver cancer when I'm 12. Um, and that kind of jump-started a lot of the conversations about life, death, heaven, hell, God. Um, and it was actually a, a long journey in high school, um, probably my sophomore year of high school, when I was starting to explore Christianity because my brother was evangelizing me. 
uh, during his summers and winters. Is this older brother? This is a, one older brother. He's about five years older than me. Okay. Um, and he basically was reaching out to me, uh, talking to me about Jesus. And so the wheels were turning for about a year and a half of exploring Christianity with um, now I was at a Korean Presbyterian church. And so we were going through uh, Wayne Grudem's Bible Doctrine book. It's his smaller version of his systematic. Okay. Um, and, and what's, is that the name of it? Bible Doctrine? Bible Doctrine. That's correct. Okay. It's the medium sized one. Nice. Um, and we, every Sunday we would read through like a chapter or two and talk about it. And that really helped me understand what the Bible taught about who God was, who man was and who Jesus was. And so while I was exploring Christianity, pretty much Monday to Saturday, I was living in sin, wanting to make a name for myself through dancing meaning uh, winning competitions, wanting the... What kind of dancing? So I did uh, break dancing, or the purists would say uh, b-boying, break boy, um, referencing that the dancers would dance on the break. Okay, okay. Um, so I did that uh, pretty much pretty much after my dad died from age 12. I, that was what I kind of latched onto. That was your identity? Um, that was my identity. That's how... I kind of made a name for myself so you could see me on YouTube. How um, would I find you on YouTube? Uh, there would be certain links that you would have to find, but um, I don't know if you'll be able to find it. <laughs> okay, so you maybe reach out to you directly. Uh, if, if you, you want to reach out to me directly, um, you know, I may, uh, you know, love you well enough to send those links. So anyways, to get back to the story, though, you're like Monday through Saturday, you said you're kind of living that life hip-hop culture, mm -hmm. you're dancing, trying to make a name for yourself, mm -hmm. but then you're you're looking at God's Word, you're you're reading through the Gruden book. Um, so when does it click? Um, yeah, and just hearing the gospel regularly at that church, um, I think God was just wooing me to himself uh, for a good year and a half of exploring Christianity. Um, and then finally, I think just God just opened my eyes to my sin, my need for Jesus. Um, and Pretty much, I would say, probably before my senior year, uh, when I was 17, that's when uh, I repented, believed, and trusted in Jesus. Praise God. So did you see uh, what were some of the life changes that happened when you came to faith? Um, just to be clear, uh, I was not a smart, nerdy, uh, good Asian kid. Um, I was just trying to get by with school. But um, a lot of the desires to read God's Word was just man like 180. Um, the desires to be more involved in the church started to grow. Um, and just the fruit of uh, the spirit was just more evident in my life. Um, the goal of this podcast is uh, for you, the listener, just to get to know PK a little bit. Like I know you, PK, as a friend. I trust many people who are listening know you and even know you well. But we're just going to talk about some random things over the next few minutes. Uh, coming out of your story. Why don't you just remind us though, you know, you're living in SoCal. Yeah. You're, you're walking with Christ. You're involved with the church. How in the world did you find Henson? Yeah. So, um, at Bible university, I joined and, uh, a church called first Baptist church of Hacienda Heights. Uh, my L my lead pastor at the time, Jeremy Young, uh, he knew, I believe Jeff Chang and Michael Lawrence from CHBC days. Mm -hmm. uh, so Capitol Hill Baptist church. And so he actually did the uh, residency internship there uh, back in like 2002, 2003. Mm -hmm. And so um, they knew, uh, the elders at my previous church knew that I had the desires and aspirations to pursue, um, you know, being an elder one day. And so they were like, hey, like you should think about doing some type of internship. 
And so they appointed me to Henson. So we have Jeremy Young and Hacienda Heights to thank for you being up here at Henson in Portland. That's, that's exactly right. That's great. Um, so let's, uh, let's go back a little bit because some people might be curious. This is kind of for fun about hip hop culture. Um, as, as you well know, Portland is very white. We might not even, you know, I don't even know. Is there a hip hop culture in Portland? Uh, absolutely there is. Um, tell us where can we find this culture? Um, it's going to be in various pockets of Portland. Um, you know, a lot of the schools around here, PCC, uh, PSU, they actually have like hip hop, uh, groups that I actually kind of reached out to, to see if I could. Okay. We want to, we want to hear about this when it's hip hop groups, you know, when I think of hip hop, I think of music. So is that what you're talking about? So, um, just to, to give a little education here. So there's four elements that would comprise of hip hop culture. That's going to be what I did, which is b-boying, breaking. And that's kind of the dance element. You have uh, the music element, which would be the emceeing and the DJ. And then the art uh, uh, element would be graffiti. So I, you probably see a lot of graffiti here. On, I Portland. saw some today on our church annex building. Mm-hmm. So was that some of your friends? Mm, I don't know if those uh, would be a good quality graffiti, but uh, yeah. And just to be clear, there's um, the more uh, what we call pieces uh, would be it has more of an artistic flow, more color. Uh, the ones that are more like, almost like uh, writings on a wall. Yeah, that's those what are, this was. And it didn't yeah, make any sense that, to me. That would not really be considered good graffiti. That's what you call tagging. Um, okay. So that's, okay. yeah, that's nothing. But if you yeah. want more more information on, you know, the details of that, you can always talk to me. Okay. So the, the groups that you've reached out to from what of those four areas have the, you reached out to? Yeah, it would be uh, more of the b-boy breaking, the okay. dancing world of things. So. so do you still do this? Do you still dance? I do still do this. Um, it's my exercise slash, um, you know, you just need a good workout sometimes. Man, if this was a video episode, I would ask you to do, you know, break it down for us right here. But uh, you just will have to, you know, maybe... At the next party that you're at or get together, ask PK to, to do his thing for you. Any ways that, um, that hip hop culture, uh, impacted you, um, or how did you, how did you find yourself in that culture? I guess I have lots of questions. How does it impact you today? Yeah. Um, one thing that comes to my mind, uh, right off the bat is, um, if you've been around Henson, you'll know that I am very eager to say hi to everyone. Uh, and part of that actually comes from, uh, whenever I would go to uh, dance practices, we call them sessions, um, the culture is you need to say hi to every single person in the room before you start practicing. Um, and then when you leave, you what say, if there's like 50 people in the room? Does not matter. It doesn't okay, matter about the horn. It doesn't matter how many people are there. It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity. It doesn't matter if you dance that. That was your first day of dancing. You say hi to everyone. And then when you leave, you say bye to everyone and you usually say like one comment or feedback and say like, good work, keep working on it or, or something, something encouraging. And that was kind of the culture that I lived and breathed for seven years in the Bay Area. So do you try to do that when you come to church? 100%. So that's kind of, it just transferred over. That's, yeah. I think, you know, in Romans, uh, Paul talks about uh, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. So I think that is just a practical application of how can I welcome these brothers and sisters in Christ um, or even to the uh, visitor? 
And so that's something that I definitely carried over um, as, even as a Christian. Feel free to take a minute to think about this one, but what if you're an introvert and the thought of just even greeting like two or three people at church each Sunday is overwhelming to you. And now you've just laid down this challenge because you're, you would say you're an extrovert. Yeah. No, no, no. I am okay. a loud introvert. <laughs> okay. It's a large <laughs> relational wallet. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, so. But my exhortation to, uh, um, you know, to, to all those who feel reserved or quiet, um, I would just encourage like, just start somewhere, you know, just start with one person and try doing that for a month. Maybe, you know, in another month, try reaching out to another new person. And then over time, you know, in, in one year, that's 12 new people per month. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, at the minimum, that might be a great place to start. And if you feel like, oh, you can't do that, try once a quarter. So that's going to be once every three months. And then try to just get out of your comfort zone a little bit. That's a good word, PK. Thank you for that. Um, uh, to go back to your story, uh, certainly one very formative time in your life is when you lost your dad. You said to liver cancer, you were 12 at the time. Um, you know, how, talk, talk to us a little bit about, about that. Um, what was the Lord teaching you through that suffering as you look back on it now? Um, what has he, how has he grown you in uh, trust of him as a good heavenly father after such a, a tragic uh, experience? Yeah, Dan, um, just to give you context, uh, my dad died in 2005 in February. Um, and he was diagnosed in 2004, um, uh, about six months. Uh, that's kind of what we knew the prognosis was. Um, so I was 11 and then I just turned 12 and then he died that same month. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, I wasn't a Christian at the time, so I just didn't have the category to really understand what was going on. Um, a bunch of people from the church was coming to our home. I just didn't really, um, understand what was going on uh, in that time. And it actually took me a good, like, until I became a Christian to really grasp, like, God and suffering and trauma. And uh, it, you know, for me, you know, in, in the sermon, um, and thank you for the first point on fatherhood, it was just a helpful picture to really grasp this idea of fatherhood, because I don't recall any experience with my dad, um, just memories. Because mm. from age like zero to six, I was so young, so I don't remember anything. Mm -hmm. And then from age like six to 12, like two of those years was my dad's health was uh, failing. Mm. So I just didn't really have kind of a, a template to work off of. Um, and for those who, you know, experience, you know, abuse or a dysfunctional family, you know, they, they have some baggage with that template. And so I didn't have a template. Um, and that's where, um, it took pretty much in college when I joined the church to really, the church really filled in those gaps, uh, of fatherhood, me watching families and being, eating dinner with, uh, with families and seeing what does a dad look like? What does a Christian father look like? What does a Christian husband look like? So I just didn't have that growing up. So what did that happen pretty quickly after you became a Christian, that you really started thinking of the church as your as your family. Yeah, one practical way that I experienced that as a Christian when I was seventeen was um, on Father's Day. Um, there was a, a number of uh, guys that were in my peer group and a bit older than me that their dads were absent too, 
And so on Father's Day, uh, the youth pastor took six of us guys and we did, um, lack of a better term, but we called it daddy list club because we just all had that same experience. And it was just a way for us to reflect on um, basically the doctrine of God, the father, um, and how we're adopted into his family. So that was just a sweet time uh, for the church to really come alongside us, um, you know, in a, in a severe way where typically, you know, on Mother's Day, Father's Day, it's usually a happy time for most people. But mm. for us, it, it, it was uh, just remembering a loss. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that, man. Um, any words of encouragement or uh, exhortation, if you will, uh, for people you know, Henson, you got a, you got quite a diversity. You got people in the church who have like multiple generations of bio family within Henson itself. Like I think of the Liberts, right? They got their kids here, got their parents here. I'm talking about Jeff and Mary or Dave and Beth. But, um, you know, what about for people who are single, who are coming, who don't have any biological family in the area? What how how did you how would you encourage us to see the church as our eternal spiritual family and to invest in one another and care for one another? Remember, remember the holidays. Remember the birth. You just had a birthday, as you said. Uh, remembering the hard days um, and, and really caring for one another. Any just uh, words of application, words of exhortation, encouragement there? Yeah, I'm gonna start with the Bible because that's what's sufficient for us. And I'm going to hit you guys with the first Timothy three, uh, particularly Paul talks to Timothy about uh, how the people of God are to order themselves. So he says in chapter three, verse 15, but if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to con conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. I'm just going to pause there. So Paul wants to tell this church in Ephesus with Timothy, like, this is how you order yourselves in the family of God. Um, and he eventually in chapter five talks about widows. And so I think the church uh, should be the safest place for um, people with, you know, broken families, uh, people with like myself who have no template for a family structure. Um, and even this past uh, COVID season, you know, like for me to be invited over for Christmas and new, new years and, um, all these different events, I think that's where the church ought to step in and should step in. Um, so practically, I think that means, uh, yeah, like on special occasions or not just regular occasions. Like, for example, like when I come over and see what does the Shriners do with how they do family devotions? Like that is instructive for me. And that helps me fill in those gaps of like, oh, okay. Like I get not only one family, but in Hinson, you got like, 40 families I can, I can look to. Mm -hmm. um, so that'll be one practical application. The other application I would say is, um, I think we need to live out what it means to be the family of God um, as, a, as a spiritual reality here and now. We're rehearsing Revelation 7. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if we could just lean into that more. Revelation 7 being? Uh, the multitudes are praising Jesus Amen. and we're all gathered together. Yeah. Um, and we get to rehearse that here and right now with our church family, um, if you're a member here at Henson. And so I think if we could pursue that, uh, so that means families inviting singles and widows and um, people on the fringes. And that also means, you know, if you're a single like myself, like invite yourself over. Um, you know, the only way we're going to really experience this kind of love is we actually pursue it. That's really, that's really helpful. And that leads well into kind of the next thing I wanted to talk about, just your experience, because you, 
you come from the Bay Area and the LA area, which is ethnically has a lot more diversity going on than here uh, in Portland and at Hinson in particular. So share with us, and you know, I've had, I think, Anthony and Jeff Chang share about this from their experience as an Asian American. But let's hear a little bit about for you, what was it like coming into a predominantly white church as someone who didn't know anyone really other than some of the pastors, like briefly through the, you know, because you came for the residency. Correct. So tell us about what that experience was like for you and any ways that you would encourage this church and uh, challenge us to think about like ethnic diversity in addition to those other areas of diversity of being an opportunity to really highlight the gospel and prepare for heaven. Yeah. So when I first came to Hinson, um, it was a wild culture shock. Uh, how, why? Um, the moment I come in, I really felt my, uh, my Asian-ness. Huh. Um, but more in particular, um, and just to nuance it a little bit, uh, me being a Korean... I feel it more. Um, meaning, why would that? Why would you feel it more than, say, a Taiwanese or a Japanese brother or sister? Um, because uh, you know, there's a, li- a few more Koreans here at the church now. Uh-huh. Um, but at the time, you know, like you know, minus Trent, and uh, but there was a handful of uh, other Koreans that were coming to the church, and uh, there's just nuances between Korean culture and Chinese culture, and. Uh, me growing up in the Bay Area as well as in Southern California, like it's pretty common knowledge to know those nuances and differences. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming here um, to Hinson, and this is no attack on anybody, mm-hmm. um, but just some of those, you know, common nuances weren't quite there. And so it just felt weird having to explain that mm-hmm. um, where it was almost like explaining water in a fishbowl. It's like, sure. well, how do I explain that? Was Henson the first church that you were a uh, part of, a member of, that was predominantly white? Correct. Okay. Um, this is my first experience in the church setting. When I went to Biola University, I had the similar experience with my dorm floor. Okay. Um, where I was probably one out of like three Asians out of like 50 people. Okay. Dorm floor. Okay. Yeah. But carry on. Your experience at Henson, um, any ways that you would encourage us, it was weird. Coming in, it was a it's a culture shock. It was weird, and um, again, uh, the story I'm going to mention here is no attack on anybody because I love this brother. Um, but you know, I've had certain times where uh, other folks have called me a different name. So I was called Mako um, a number of times, and again, this is no attack on anybody, but mm-hmm. it's just I've never experienced that mm-hmm. ever in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And so for me to kind of just understand that was just like okay, like. I'm just entering a new world and I need to kind of like navigate that. Um, So practically uh, it was just helpful. Um, I think the church covenant is just so helpful to, to know what kind of um, way, how are we to relate to one another? Mm. And, you know, in church covenant, it talks about, you know, we're to bear with one another. Mm -hmm. And so I could have just called, called them out and be like, what's going on? Like, I am not Mako. And, mm-hmm. But I think it, that's part of the ways that we just, our church family is like, we bear with each other's mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, we look over, um, you know, foolish things that we say. Mm-hmm. I probably said a bunch of, you know, things that were not helpful. Um, and I think that's one way to kind of pursue that. Um, the other thing is, I think uh, the main thing that I had to like, just re, um, just dive deep deeper into the gospel was the same Jesus that died for me died for my brother who is 
white, who's older, who's different from me. Mm. Uh, the same spirit that lives in me lives in them. Uh, the same heavenly father that I have, they have too. Mm-hmm. And so all those ways that if I could just press into the, actually we're more, we have more in common with each other mm-hmm. than I do with another Korean American who is not a believer. And so I think that is something that I really had to press into deeper that, no, this is my brother and sister in Christ. Um, we may look different uh, and we may have di- uh, cultural differences, uh, but we are united in Jesus. And that's what binds us. Amen. Any ways that you uh, saw Hinson welcome you and integrate you into the congregation well, ways that you would say, good job, Hinson, and keep doing this? Yeah, I always uh, give a shout out to Michael Kane. He was like the first person uh, to not only like greet me, uh, and I, I subtract the staff pastors just because, um, you know, you guys are staff members. So it's our job to have, kind of, to have you over for we, dinner. We, we, we kind of pay you for that. But, <laughs> but, you know, Michael Kane, who is married, he's basically an empty nester. For him to reach out to me, you know, a 27-year-old Korean-American who's single, like that I thought just speaks volumes uh, to a Christ-like love towards me. And so I always cherish that memory. Um, and over the, over the time, you know, me being here um, at Hinson, like that has, I've, I've seen it grow tangibly. Any ways that um, you would encourage people who are coming in from the outside and for whatever reason, whether it be ethnicity, age, background, what have you, they feel different. Maybe they're coming in like you, like you did too as a single. So you're not coming in with a family. You're kind of feeling this is a, a big step to come into a church where it seems like everybody knows each other. Ways you would encourage uh, that brother or sister um, at Henson? Uh, I would say lean into the gospel. And this church, um, you know, no church is perfect, but, you know, if we can pursue um, each other uh, in love and, and being gracious, um, especially at Henson, you know, we're about, what, 400, 500 members. Um, it's easy to get you know, on the, on the fringes, it's mm-hmm, easy to mm-hmm. get isolated. It's easy, uh, especially in COVID times, you know, it's easy to be, um, you know, left out. Um, but I think that's where we ought to, uh, continue to reach out. Um, I would say, uh, this, if you feel like you are in the minority, um, whatever, you know, uh, classification you put that in, mm-hmm. um, I, I would encourage like, yeah, you, you reach out too. Uh, but if you're also in the majority, um, whatever that means too, uh, in terms of, you know, age or demographic, mm-hmm. um, I would also say, keep your eyes open mm-hmm. for the, those on the fringes. Mm-hmm. Um, so practically what I try to do, you know, once a month is, um, I'm trying to think in different categories of like, um, people who've been at Henson for like decades, mm-hmm. people who've been at Henson, like less than a year, um, people, um, who are, you know, just more on the fringes. They're not really plugged in. Um, so I want to be thinking in kind of all these different categories, um, because I want to broaden my comfort zones. Mm-hmm. I think it's what's always natural for me is going to be hanging out with people who I like, who are going to be similar to me. Right. Um, but if I can kind of build into kind of my own rhythm of life, ways that I could be constantly reaching out, um, I think that's going to do a big service to the church. Um, and then if everyone is doing that, then I think that uh, will create a culture where really we just want to live out the truth of the gospel here and apply it to our church. That's great. I I think too. Uh, that's that's a really good word. 
I think to, to go back to the majority culture is, and that's the category I would put myself in for a number of reasons, but, um, that's a, a good word for majority culture to lean into the gospel, to consider how uh, God took the initiative with us. And that will help us overcome any fears we have. Cause like you said, it is just easier to gravitate towards people who are like you, people who you already know and have an established relationship with. Um, you know, the, just like the story that you shared, I could be afraid if I'm going to reach out to someone new, someone I don't, I don't know as well, or who looks different from me, I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. I'm going to say something that's going to be offensive. I'm going to mess up the name. I'm mm-hmm. going to call, I'm going to call you by the wrong name or mm-hmm. call this, you know, sister by the wrong name as I'm getting to know them. And I have all those, these fears and trepidations or, uh, you know, so just considering God's initiative, I think is a, is a good word in the gospel itself. Yeah, absolutely. So anything else you would say about to the majority culture, you already kind of spoke to both groups. Um, yeah, I, I would also encourage, um, you know, when we pursue people who are different from us, like step into their shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, and what do I mean by that? I mean, um, I think it's a great place to start of asking questions of like, yeah, like what was your upbringing? Things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But I think we need to do one one step more where it's like, like, I want to understand what your likes and your loves and your hates are. I, I want to know you deeper um, to really know, like, how do we pursue you in love? Mm-hmm. Um, and so just practically, I think that means like, you know, if you're like a homeschool mom, like reaching out to someone whose family is doing um, public school, because, because, you know, we all come with different reasons why we're doing you know what we do um and i think that's something that uh, we ought to be gracious towards one another uh, we should respect each other's consciences uh, but we also should really understand kind of where everyone's coming from and i think that's going to help dissipate a lot of those um animosity towards those who have different op- opinions or positions than ourselves what a great word for the church today with all the polarization and disunity that we see just across the con- country writ large but uh, be countercultural in that way yeah. here in the church. And I think that's actually going to, that's such a good, compelling reason to the world mm. of this. Why do you guys love one another here at Hinson? Like you guys are so different, but it really highlights that it's Jesus who binds us and, mm-hmm. and unites us. Mm-hmm. Uh, PK, it's been real. Um, I had a bunch of other questions that I wanted to talk about. You're, we can pray for you as you work as a nurse at Providence, Portland. Uh, what, what are you doing? As a, what kind of nurse are you? Yeah, I'm a uh, what we call an oncology nurse or a cancer nurse. So I work on the acute side uh, inpatient. And you're also spending a lot of time with young adults in the church, uh, seeking to integrate them into the church family along with uh, Christian Lawrence. Um, just any any thoughts, to, any shout outs to the young adults or any ways that you would encourage young adults or the church in regards to that age group? Uh, I will say, you know, Paul tells Timothy, you know, don't let anybody look down on you for your youth. I would mm-hmm. say, yeah, I think we can do a lot of good to the church. And again, I think that's compelling when you get a 23 year old um, being a blessing to, you know, an elderly folks or being a blessing to a family. I think those are all ways that you know, we de- de- definitely have a little bit more time on our hands. So let's use it wise. PK, you have been a voice of wisdom and grace today. Thank you for coming on the show. God bless, brother. I uh, appreciate it, Dan. I hope I get to come back and do this again. It'd be great. Mm-hmm.